We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello, here to preview the outside linebacker position group for the Titans today, talk about our expectations this season. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well. This this is a fun group to talk about. There are a lot of uh, you know, I don't want to say question marks because we know what the top end is going to look like, but there are some spots up for grabs here. A few spots up for grabs. And, you know, I would say question marks just in terms of like, how is this group going to do this year? So we're going to dig into our expectations for the outside linebackers, compare it to last year's group. And there are some stats we can talk about this week. Last week we did offensive line, not a whole lot of stats to cover. Before that, we did defensive line and tight ends. So scroll back in the feed if you missed those episodes. Check those out. Before we get into this position group today, though, let's discuss a little bit of news. This happened last Friday, so it was right after our pod dropped. We didn't have a chance to talk about it. Titans announced that Christian Abercrombie will be joining the Titans coaching staff for training camp. Christian Abercrombie is actually going to be the inspirational intern, which is, that's his title, inspirational intern, former Tennessee State guy. And they also have, will have four other coaches from around college football joining the staff as coaching interns. Those guys include Junior Taylor, wide receiver coach at Northern Arizona, Ricky Brumfeld, special team coordinator at Virginia, Miguel Reveles, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at the University of Laverne, and Clint McMillan, a defensive analyst at Florida State as part of the NFL's Bill Walsh Coaching Fellowship. And they will also be having a couple of guys in the scouting department, excuse me, a guy in the scouting department and a woman in the scouting department, former NFL defensive end Ryan Davis and Kiaro Mayo are assisting the team during training camp in the scouting department. So I think it's it's pretty cool the Titans are doing this. I think it's terrific. Best of luck to all of them. Christian Abercrombie being a, you know, a local guy who attended TSU, uh, uh, all of them, good luck to all of them. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks for them. Wild ride. I'm sure they'll pay close attention, learn a lot, and it'll benefit all of them in their future careers. And who knows might benefit the Titans as well. You know, they yeah. develop relationships with these guys at these colleges, small schools. Nobody knows about it's like, Hey, have you heard of this player? You should Absolutely. check him out scouting wise, or, you know, pick up different tidbits and, and things that these guys are doing because, you know, it doesn't matter where you coach or what level you are. You can always learn something from other guys. So, And the college game is so innovative, right? So you, you never really know what you're going to pick up on and learn. That's very true. Yeah, a lot of a lot of ideas start in college football before they permeate the NFL. So that's a great point. Um, yeah, so that's the news. That's all I got for the news. I do want to just quickly touch on this with you because it's been blowing up the Twitter timeline for about a week. Delaney Walker's comments <laughs> about the Titans fan base, the size of the Titans fan base, the size of the market being a reason that he will not make the hall of fame or in his words, receive some post-career accolades. he actually didn't mention hall of fame. Um, but credit to Lebowski and Zach from the F words pod for finding and tweeting out that audio instead of just relying on a written version of what Delaney Walker said, because 
we know that those things can be misconstrued. But hearing him talk about it, you know, it's kind of like he's saying that he thinks if he played in a bigger market and won a Super Bowl, he would have won. He would be a more recognized player, which is probably true. But regardless of that, like Delaney Walker was never even the best tight end in the NFL while he was playing. Like he's just simply not a Hall of Fame caliber player. So his comments are to me, pretty irrelevant. I don't know. We don't have to spend too much time on this, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, I agree. Not not to spend too much time on it. You're right. He was never the best tight end in the league. I mean, in, in his defense, of course, you know, guys like Gronk, Travis Kelsey, would would have been tough sledding, right, for him to hold that title. But but that's the point. Is like the Hall of Fame is tough sled, tough sledding. Yeah. I get it, and I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. And ultimately, and I'm not trying to take a shot at anyone, but I think for all professional athletes. Uh, the end of your NFL career, I think, can be a tough thing to deal with, to be honest with you. And I think you start looking back and, you know, I guess he's had more time to reflect now than probably ever before. And it can lead to, to some opinions that, um, that pr- probably aren't the right ones to have or probably not the fair ones to have. Look, Tennessee was really bad the majority of the time Delaney Walker was here, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, credit him to being one of the best, probably the best player they had truthfully in those dark years where I remember there were times I would tune in on Sunday and, and he was the only reason I wanted to watch, you know, one guy who never gave up, never quit. I, get, we got to give him credit for that. I remember watching those, you know, two and 14, three and 13 teams, yada, yada. You felt like the whole team quit right midway through near the end of the year, but there was Delaney Walker fighting for extra yards initiating contact after the catch. So terrific player. One of the best that they had uh, in the modern era, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. And, and again, I, you know, I think his comments are, they almost borderline making excuses, right? And when you look at his career, um, the beginning in San Fran, I think really hurt him. You know, he doesn't even touch on that, but spending six or seven years there playing second fiddle to Vernon Davis. I mean, that's going to, it almost pretty much makes it impossible, right? To make the Hall of Fame when you played six or seven years as a backup uh, to another guy, especially at the tight end position when there's not always more than one of them on the field. Uh, and then you look at, uh, you know, the, the host of that show, the, the audio there, they bring up Julio Jones, and that's a fair example. But the first person that came to mind when I heard it was Calvin Johnson. Because, I mean, no Zach one played on worse keeps, teams than Calvin yeah. Johnson in the Detroit Lions. He's been his whole career in Detroit. He went through an un, you know a season where they didn't, I was about to say undefeated. It was the opposite of that. They didn't win a single game, right? So, and nobody, to my knowledge, myself included, yourself, nobody I know let that impact their opinion of Calvin Johnson, who truly was a transcendent talent, who truly was one of the best to ever play the game at his position and is a Hall of Famer, despite playing in a, in a not so great market in Detroit, in a horrible, uh, you know, uh, in terms of w- wins and losses, a horrible run they were on and they've been on for uh, seems like a long time. A guy that didn't really go to the playoffs, of course, didn't even come close to sniffing a Super Bowl his entire career and cut his career short, by the way, right? Retired at a relatively young age. None of that impacts the way we think or look at Calvin Johnson. We all think Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. In fact, a first ballot Hall of Famer at that. So, I mean, when, I, when, you, when you hold that example up next to Delaney Walker, it's really tough to buy any of what he's saying. That's what Zach's big point was with the efforts pod thing is like, and my, that's kind of my point too, is like players who are that good and that transcendent, like it doesn't matter where they play or when they play. If you are that good, you will be recognized. And I do think Delaney Walker was perennial, perennially, perennially, excuse me, underrated in yes. Tennessee. You a know, he was probably player. pro bowl player. He was probably a top three to four tight end all those years in Tennessee and yes. maybe was 
was valued league wide by the average fan, by fantasy football people, whatever, as like the a top seven tight end, right? Like that's probably right. The probably a that little the underrated. Yeah, goes, I agree. you know, but that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. And I think, you know, you can say playing in Tennessee was bad for his exposure, but it was also good for him as a player in terms of production wise. I mean. He's the only viable receiving option on this team for three, four years. Like, he he had the opportunity to rack up stats. And sure, the quarterbacks weren't great. The offenses weren't great. The teams were terrible. But a lot of times in those situations where your team's bad, you're just, like, getting you're a lot of garbage padding. time. Yeah, exactly. And Delaney Walker, Zach pointed this out the other day, never had a 1,000-yard season where you look at someone like Travis Kelsey who is playing alongside – now, I get it. He's got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's a totally different situation. But – Playing alongside Tyreek Hill, who's a premier receiver in the league, definitely takes away targets from from Kelsey. From everybody. Sammy yeah. Watkins isn't a terrific receiver, but he's a quality, he's a high quality starter, you know, as a wide receiver two or third option in the passing game. He's out there taking targets from Kelsey. And Kelsey, despite that, put up more yards than any tight end has ever put up in a season last year. So right. Travis Kelsey, you know, isn't isn't being overshadowed by his own teammates. He's he is that's what a Hall of Fame tight end looks like in their prime. You know, right. we saw Delaney Walker in his prime. He was really, really good. Really good. Come on, with the Hall of Fame stuff, I just think it's uh, absolutely. Uh, look, you know, we're going to move on from it because I think you and we see eye to eye on it, right? We're, we're, we're bang call. on on this. And I think most people probably do too. And yeah, Titans fans, like, sure, go to more home games, but like, whatever. That's not going to make Hall of Fame players. <laughs> Yes, and do go to more home games, though. You know, definitely go more to more home games. But you're right. Ultimately, like I said, I think the end of your NFL career can be tough. Leaves a lot of time for reflection. And, and maybe there's there's a little too much time uh, for him. To Last thing I'll say about it. If Delaney Walker goes and signs with the Bucks and wins a Super Bowl this year as, like, the seventh option in the passing game who plays, like, 40% of their snaps or something. Probably less. He wins a Super Bowl. Does that change anything about how anyone views Delaney Walker, the player, for his career? No, no, I don't think he gets in the super uh, in the Hall of Fame, even if that were to happen. Because ultimately, I think the best chance for him to get in would have been if one of those Titan teams had won the Super Bowl uh, while he was at the top of his game. That changes the conversation. If he's putting up a thousand receiving yards and they win a Super Bowl, I do think that changes things. Doesn't change things now if he goes and wins this year and he's the fifth, sixth, seventh guy uh, in, in in the passing game. No, it doesn't. All right. Well, let's move on then. I'm sorry. He had one year with a thousand yards. 2015. That makes uh, sense. Mar Marcus that, that, but yeah, but but still doesn't change a whole lot. Yeah. So one year with a thousand yards, and he only had six touchdowns that season. So it's not like he was a. I mean, he was great for the Titans, but he was never a truly dominant player. He had an amazing play against the Patriots where he like busted a bunch of tackles that. and ran to the end zone. They were getting he their butt that... kicked that game too, weren't they? That's what I mean about the effort. Yeah, and Mariota got hurt. I think Zach Mettenberger threw that touchdown. <laughs> I can't recall a single Zach Mettenberger touchdown, so I'm not going to pretend that I know. But uh, I really can't. I know I can't remember a win. He never won an NFL game. But um, on the topic of of that, that that's what I mean. Say a guy that never gave up. Right? They were getting their butt kicked in that game, and he made an unbelievable play. So. Shout him out and to Delaney Casey. Walker, and hopefully the fan base won't hate him forever. Him and Jarrell Casey were like the heart and soul of the Titans yes. teams during Absolutely. 2015 era, but that doesn't make either of them a Hall of Famer. Okay, to the outside linebackers we go. 
Let's talk about it because the Titans last year only kept four outside linebackers. They kept Harold Landry, Jadeveon Clowney, Vic Beasley, and Derek Roberson on the 53-man roster last year. They have seven guys this year, two of them returning from last year. Well, actually, Wyatt Ray also returns from last year. But and two's our skipper. Four of them technically. Technically, but they didn't make I always guess they didn't make the initial 53. Right, but correct. if you if you guys remember, which I'm sure you all do, the Titans outside linebackers were quickly depleted. I mean, Jadeveon Clowney got hurt early-ish, you know. Vic Beasley never really showed any desire to play football last year. So Vic <laughs> Beasley was cut after after that Bengals game. And just a crazy stat. On November 8th, heading into a game the Titans were about to play on November 8th. Their only active outside linebackers were Harold Landry, Derek Roberson, and Wyatt Ray. So regardless, regardless of what happens in 2021, it's kind of like what I said last week about the offensive line. It can't be worse than it was last year. It just can't be worse. It's impossible. No, and you know what? It, 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 it proves that these, you know, as much as I, you know, we, we love doing this, these preview shows, I wonder what we would have said last year if we were doing the same show. Javion Clowney, Vic Beasley, I mean – the excitement probably would have been a lot higher than than the highs that this group actually achieved last year, obviously, because they were terrible. That's very true, and we're probably about to do the same thing when we talk about Bud <laughs> Dupree and Rashawn Weaver, but hey, that's the, that's the gig. So let's talk about these guys. The Titans obviously lose Jadeveon Clowney in free agency. They cut Vic Beasley in the middle of last year. They traded Kamale Correa in the middle of last year, and now they have Harold Landry returning in a contract year. Derek Roberson comes back, former undrafted free agent. Tuzar skipper, Wyatt Ray. Titans also added two Steelers. Obviously, the big one is Bud Dupree and his former teammate, Ola Adeni, who is more of a special teams guy, but technically an outside linebacker. And then they drafted a Pittsburgh guy, haha, Pittsburgh College, Rashad Weaver, to round out the group. So we got seven guys competing for what probably ends up being five spots this year. I'm going to predict five. Yeah, I think, I think a so. couple of factors what make me say five. is when I, when I look at what they kept last year, yes, they only kept four. I think one of the things that would have factored into that decision is that they were expecting Harold Landry, to Jadavion Clowney, excuse me, and Vic Beasley to do the heavy lifting. When you have three guys like that and the commitments that you made financially, of course, to Clowney and Beasley, you're expecting those guys to play a lot of snaps. Why am I going to keep five of them when ideally I'm going to be playing these three guys, right? Pretty much the entire game because of what we think we have in them being again, Landry, Clowney, and Beasley. Things obviously didn't work out, but I think that's part of the reason why they only kept four. Another reason I'll say that they bump one up and keep five this year, as we talked about uh, Ola Adenier coming over from Pittsburgh. Uh, yes, he's an outside linebacker. We got to count him in these numbers, but he's a special teams guy. That's why they signed him. One of the better special teams linebackers in the NFL. And, and he's all, you can almost guarantee if Ola is playing snaps as an outside linebacker and rushing the passer, something has gone seriously wrong, right? The Titans are not planning for that. They don't forecast that. that that's not going to happen in 2021. At least they're not planning for it to be that way. So when you add him into the mix, there's no way you can keep four of them with him being one of them. That's not going to really give you any snaps. So I think they keep five. It's a little less top heavy of a group than it was last year and five, including him, who's going to be a special teams guy. And, you know, you, you said you don't want him rushing the passer too much on regular defensive downs. I agree with that. You know, he is only 23 years old. He That's shared true. a 
He's his locker was right next to Bud Dupree's for the last two years in Pittsburgh. Says he's learned a lot from Bud Dupree on and off the field. I don't know if he'll actually get a chance to show that at all because of Harold Landry's presence and Derek Roberson being a little, a little, not a lot, but a little bit more established with the Titans. But I mean, after Landry and Dupree, that that race for the third rotational pass rusher guy to come in and, and give those those top two guys a breather is between Derek Roberson, Rashad Weaver, the rookie, and Ola Adeni. I think, I mean, I would expect Tuzar Skipper and Wyatt Ray to be practice squad type guys called up if somebody gets hurt. I wouldn't expect them to make the team, but I do think, I mean, I feel pretty confident, more confident than I have about any of the three position groups we talked about previously on who makes the team, I think is going to be the five guys that we're discussing right now. I think so too. I agree. Now, Tuzar Skipper and Wyatt Ray, of course, they were there last year. That gives True. them a, a slight edge potentially on a guy like uh, uh, Weaver, of course, coming out of college, Ola Dinier, who wasn't here last year. But ultimately, I, I agree. I mean, Vrabel has praised Skipper's ability to stop the run uh, previously. And I think he did do some good things in the run game when he was active and healthy for those couple games in the middle of last year. Wyatt Ray was a, a, a pretty decent-sized prospect coming out of Boston College, was Harold Landry's running mate. Right in college, always a fun fact to look back on. Did have that great sack this this past year. It's easy to remember because there weren't a whole lot of Titan sacks. Uh, you can probably you know count them. On, you can almost count them on two hands, unfortunately, right? But remember that Wyatt Ray sack from last year. You don't <laughs> but, need to um, go past your toes. I mean, yeah, two- you, you really don't. <laughs> you really do not. But um, but you're right. I I think those two guys are probably on the outside looking in. I don't expect them to make the 53. With that said. You're, you know, you're going to say, I don't like committing one way or another because, you know, the, the way I, I watch college football and, and do the draft stuff and scouting, look, I, I, I stop myself short of saying that someone like Derek Roberson is guaranteed a roster spot, right? I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that if he stinks in training camp and Tuzar Skipper looks great, he's not established enough where they're going to keep Roberson over Skipper, right? I think that's probably fair to say. That's why I sometimes stop short of guaranteeing these things. But I do agree with you. If I'm making a prediction, you and I are both keeping the same five. It looks like it's Landry, Dupree, uh, Weaver, Roberson, and, and, and Ola. And I do think that'll be the five. I agree. I think Weaver, you know, you spend a fourth round draft pick, right. whatever potential legal stuff he has going on i don't i don't think will really have a big impact here i, I mean i think it's really bad it could change things i mean who knows but but i agree that i expect him as of now to, to be on the team and our skill set wise i really liked him coming out of the university uh, or of coming out of pittsburgh and, and it'll be fun to monitor him uh throughout training camp these next couple of weeks because like you said that number three job is wide open i mean it is yeah. totally totally open and something we'll get this year we didn't have last year, obviously, is preseason games. And you know Bud right. Dupree coming off a torn ACL. He's not going to play a lot in the preseason. Harold Landry, as an established veteran, he's not going to play too much in the preseason either. So you're going to – like, these guys are going to have a chance to flash what they can do in those That's three preseason point. games. And, you know, I was looking through some tuz- – <laughs> as I do, I was looking through some Tuzar Skipper tweets the other day, uh, curious to see what was out there. And uh, and he had a terrific preseason a couple of years ago with the Steelers. I mean, you can find tweets from everyone, uh, guys who cover the Steelers saying, you know, Tazar Skipper has been the star of preseason, leading the team in sacks, making splash plays. So 
Uh, that's a great point you bring up. I, I didn't consider that, but preseason, that's going to be fun because you're going to get a lot of Tazar Skipper, Wyatt Ray, again, knock on wood, assuming they're all healthy, Rashard Weaver, Ola, you're, Roberson. You're going to see a bunch of these guys in preseason, and that makes things fun. Yeah, and you could see a lot of uh, no, uh, like a huge lack of pass rush in the preseason, and that wouldn't be as fun. But it's that would not be as fun, but it would help narrow possible. things down probably a little bit. Yeah, really. A couple but, comments I mean, I'll quickly make. I recently got to spend a little bit of time with Tuzar Skipper, a uh, great guy who knows the defense. Oh, fun fact, by the way, that you probably did not know. I certainly didn't know. I mean, heck, I prepared to speak with him, and he made me aware. You talked about the Ola, uh, uh, Bud Dupree connection. Tuzar Skipper was in Pittsburgh with Bud Dupree, and I didn't know this, right? When he was there, he was there for about two years, I think, and on and off practice squad, yada, yada. But he was there in Pittsburgh. He said when Bud Dupree signed uh, in Tennessee, he called me. Hey, hey, Skip, I'm in Tennessee. Their team, so they, they, had, they built a nice friendship together uh, in Pittsburgh, and, and, and they've been working out throughout the summer a little bit together. So there's a relationship there as well between Tuzar Skipper and Bud Dupree. And, and that's a fun fact I bet almost everyone listening to the show right now did not know. So everyone talked about Bud Dupree only being good in Pittsburgh because of his surrounding cast. Like we, we got two of them here. Guys. He's got like, Cesar Skipper and Ola Dinier with him. So all, all is well. And hopefully Rashad Weaver brings some of that Pittsburgh love with him as well. Right. They, they've, they've definitely worked out together since before Weaver was a Titan and even before Bud Dupree was a Titan. So yeah, totally. All right. That will cover the, the projected starters and who makes the team, but we have some real expectations to talk about now. What do these players actually do when they get on the field? How long do you think before we see 100% Bud Dupree? Like, is that going to be a mid-season thing, a late-season thing, or or will we get Bud Dupree solid out of the gate? What do you think? I, I'll say quickly. I think in the month of September, let's say he's at about 80%. And I think once you get to October, I think you're all systems go. I, I don't really expect to see much of a hang-up here, do you? I don't either. I think where we're at today with medicine and, and recoveries and the kind of you know hard worker that we know Bud Dupree to be putting in all the, the effort to get ready for the season, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think we see too much of a, at least like for us, I don't think it'll be a noticeable lag in his step or anything like that. I think, I think you'll see for the most part full speed Bud Dupree and he may continue to improve throughout the course of the season, which is better than the opposite. So you hope that, but yeah, I think he's going to be pretty good from the jump. I've made this comparison on this podcast, on Twitter, a little bit, you know, a ways back now, as we sit here in July now, but I think that Bud Dupree being added to this Titans roster is very similar to when they added Brian Arakpo, and they had drafted Derek Morgan a few years before. He was, he spent some time injured. He was not necessarily a disappointment, but he wasn't the first round pick they necessarily expected either. And then they added Brian Arakpo, and... Arakpo was a double-digit sack guy for this team. Derek Morgan became a near double-digit sack guy when they played together. I think you could see something similar here with Bud Dupree kind of elevating Harold Landry. Landry now playing in a contract year. Corey Davis had his best year as a Titan during his contract year last year. Jayon Brown had a great year until he got hurt in his contract year. I mean, we've seen these guys put up great years in, in a contract year before. Jack Conklin had a terrific year in his contract year. I don't know if that's enough to motivate Harold Landry. I don't know if a great year this year would bring Landry back, but I do think between Landry and Dupree, 
you should, I mean, Landry and Dupree alone might out sack the entire 2020 Titans team. What did they finish with? 19. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's per, I think you said it. I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility that they're both double digit sack guys or one of them's a 12 sack guy and the other one, the other one's an eight sack guy. So uh, definitely possible that the two of them could combine for about 20 sacks. Yeah. And I think that if, if, you know, that's the case, then it doesn't really matter as much what the third rusher is doing, although you hope that it can be somebody who allows Harold Landry to not play 95% of snaps again this year. But we mentioned that this when we talked about... there, right? I, I think we'd probably both agree that uh, it, there's still a little bit of a concern, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, and we talked about when we discussed the new outside linebackers coach a few a few weeks back, talking about how you know, some games the defense gets off the field so Landry can play more snaps. In other games, they're, the, de- the other team has a long whatever drive or a bunch of long drives, and so it, it's more tiring to play a bunch of snaps. But, like, at the end of the day, I think less snaps. Like, there is an ideal range, and it's between, like, 70 to 80% where you're getting the most out of him and still getting ample time to rest. Now, that said, I don't think that was the right – Harold Landry playing too many snaps is not why the Titans only had 19 sacks in one of the worst pass rushes no. in the league last year. No. So they have it was to the whiffs on Jadavion Clowney and Dick Beasley more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, the poor coverage leading to more time to throw. And, like, how many times did a Titans pass rusher or random blitzer, cornerback, linebacker, whoever, have, like, a free run at the quarterback that, like, almost always results in a sack? But right. for the Titans last year, the quarterback spins out of it or dodges it or sidesteps it and makes a killer throw on third and 18 or whatever. Like Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Joe game Burrow, comes to mind. He was fantastic. Uh, in Lamar the, Jackson in, in the playoffs, it happened. I mean, it happened. I mean, that, that Lamar's going to do what Lamar does. But um, if I can make a quick note on Bud Dupree, if you don't mind. Yeah. John Robinson, when he acquired Julio Jones, uh, again, not, not, not to get into that, but he had a great quote that kind of stuck with me, right? When, when someone asked him about swinging for the fences and obviously missing on, on, on Clowney and, and Beasley, he talked about not, uh, you know, not being afraid to take a chance, right? Just because something else didn't work out uh, doesn't mean I'm not going to kind of reload the chamber and, and take another shot. And, and I love that attitude. Now, with that said, I, I do think you'd be silly to think that it doesn't change the way that he evaluates. Right. So after missing on, on, on Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney, I mean, Clowney, there was some bad luck involved with injury, but yada, yada. But anyway, uh, he didn't hesitate to throw big money at another outside linebacker, right? Even though he went over two last year uh, in the free agent market, threw a lot of money at Bud Dupree. But I do think those two mistakes probably change the way he evaluates. I, I think a guy like Bud Dupree, um, and look, it may not work out. There, there's no guarantees in this game. We all know that, right? But I think a guy like Bud Dupree is almost the anti Vic Beasley, right? He's almost the anti Jadavion Clowney. He shows Definitely. up early. He's a hard worker. He wants to be ready. He wants to be in camp. He wants to lead and he wants to lead by example. When I hear things like, you know, he calls to our skipper when he signs in Tennessee, he says, Hey, skip, you know, we're back together again. We saw him, I think after they signed Ola Dinier, uh, I believe he tweeted about it. Right. And he, and he was thrilled to be reunited with another guy there. Uh, when I think of all these things and the things that I've heard about his attitude, 
I think it. I think John Robinson throwing eighty-five million dollars at Bud Dupree went beyond the production. Of course, that's the biggest thing. But I think he's comfortable with the guy that he's bringing in, the type of personality that he's bringing into the locker room, and the type of leader. And I'm excited to watch Bud Dupree this year. I, I keep revisiting uh, an article I wrote several months ago when he first signed with, with Dr. Rush, Chuck Smith, the NFL pass rushing coach, and the way he talked about Bud. And we talked about his pass rush arsenal. He said his go-to move is the cross chop. He's got a great spin. They've been working on power, his hands. He uses that a lot more. He actually credited that uh, to one of the reasons um, uh, that, that he took such a big jump statistically over the last couple of years, started using more power, added to the arsenal where he already had a great cross chop and a great spin move. So really excited to see him uh, this year and how he kind of leads uh, this group. Yeah, and I think what you said there is is so true. I mean, I would way rather take a guy coming off a serious injury like an ACL who you know is a hard worker than a guy who is not coming off an injury or is coming off an off-season surgery like Clowney was last year. And isn't. But, you know, and no isn't the hard the worker. Sport. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And we we know that Clowney, I mean, routinely Clowney holds out of training camp, demands to be traded, doesn't sign until after training camp. Like, this guy doesn't like to put in the work. I think we can safely say that. Vic Beasley straight up quit football. So like we know he doesn't put in the work. So give me the guy coming off an ACL that's definitely going to do the work over a healthy guy who's not all day, every day. Yeah, I think there's a night indifference here when it comes to personality uh, with Bud Dupree versus a guy, guys like Clowney and Beasley. Night and day difference. And I also like that you brought up the article you wrote because that's going to be a great transition now as we move into some Twitter comments from the listeners here. Put out a tweet uh, earlier this week asking for some comments. And the first one I want to read is from Jacob Sane J- at Sanity, who we've read comments on the past few episodes, who says, loved the piece on Broadway about Dupree and his personal coach. Do we huh. think Bud can actually help Landry expand his pass rushing arsenal at this point? I worry that Landry is what he is and doesn't have much upside left. Well, thanks for reading, number one. I'm glad that he uh, found that article. It's a couple of months old now, but I uh, did really enjoy writing that. And, and, and it's funny he brings it up because obviously uh, uh, he did just read it. He's not just saying it because Chuck Smith talked about that, right? He talked about uh, he thinks the impact that he has uh, on his teammates, being a guy that's going to uh, want, want to teach, right? He's tough-minded. I uh, was called a bust early on in his career. Didn't didn't let people get to him. Didn't let that criticism bother him. Uh, uh, kept working. Kept working. So uh, I I do think he's going to have a big uh, big impact um, on the rest of his team. Especially it's a young group. I mean Landry's still a, obviously a, a, he's entering year four, but he's a young guy. Then you look behind him. I mean there, there's really not a whole lot of veterans here uh, outside of Bud Dupree. So I I think he's going to be the guy that really spearheads this group and leads this group. Agreed. And uh, Derek Henry's burner at Casual Titan Fan 3 has a bold prediction. Bud Dupree will have more sacks this year than Clowney and Beasley did last year combined, which was I love zero. I lo- I'll, I'll say I, I, I saw that one. I read it uh, when the comment came in and I chuckled. I'm, I give the guy a ton of credit. I laugh. I go, <laughs> I, he writes it like it's such a bold prediction. And it sounds like it should be such a bold prediction. Round of applause, because I, I, I laughed my butt off when I read that one. I, I think that is a good prediction. Take it to Vegas. And he also has a tweet, in all seriousness, I do think they should be a lot better this year. The improved D-line and secondary should help them get more sacks. I'm interested to see how much Weaver plays and how good he is. Hopefully he plays well and keep other guys fresh. 
I Me am too. also curious. Love Weaver and, coming uh, out. JR at fan of the underdogs, an old MCM buddy says, I think the pass rush will be improved just by virtue of how terrible it was last year with the addition of Dupree and Autry. Don't forget about Autry. We'll do better than we did last year. Double digit sacks for any player. Best chance of that is a healthy, hungry Dupree. I agree. What did Dupree have last year? Like nine and a half in 14 games or something? Yeah, something like that. Something and he's like obviously that. been a double digit sack guy. Uh, in yeah, the past. yeah. So I, I would agree that he's he's got the best chance of hitting double digits. Unless he just takes on so much attention that you then see he had eight sacks last year. Excuse me. Eight sacks last year. Unless he just takes on so much attention that you that, you know, I mean, Harold Landry has a great move, the dip, the speed dip. But he kind of got figured out halfway through, I don't know, his rookie year, maybe, maybe a little later than that. And guys know what to expect when when Landry is rushing over them. And he's the guy that often gets double teamed, especially late in the year when you're literally only outside linebackers are Derek Roberson, Wyatt Ray and Harold Landry. Like, yeah, they weren't they weren't double teaming Brooks Reed out there. I mean, hey, they might have been because there was definitely snaps where Brooks Reed and Tuzar Skipper and Wyatt Ray were the only guys on the field. <laughs> Got a um, double one of them, I guess. Yeah, but exactly. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, you could see Landry erupt against if, 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 I don't know how they're going to be deployed, but if they're able to just pick their matchups, so to speak, where they're like, we want Landry moving to the other side because that tackle has slow feet. Or, you know, in one game, and then he's playing on the left more in another game and right more in another game, as opposed to just, like, playing sides every week. If they actually try to exploit matchups based on, like, the tackle's strengths that they're playing against, then you could see what we talked about. You could see both of them put up double-digit double digits sack seasons. And Canadian Titan, our, our loyal listener at Canadian underscore Titan, says, not only does Bud Dupree have double-digit sacks, but so does Harold Landry. This secondary will get time for those boys to make opposing offenses terrified. 12 and a half sacks for Landry, 13 and a half for Bud. Oof. If that happens, the Titans are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I love the optimism. And I do think a lot of what he says, you know, this unit will be better. But uh, if both of those, I, I don't think both of those guys hit those type of numbers. That would be, that would really be something. We have another, we have another optimistic Take here from Enrique at Spurs Titans. First off, loving the expectations podcasts. Thank you very much, Enrique. I think the pass rush will be improved with a prediction that Derek Roberson will have a six-sack season in a limited role. Bowen will finally reduce Landry's snap count for some needed rest, which allows for Roberson to flourish. Well, it's funny you said that because in my mind, I was getting ready to end this show at some point with saying that I haven't given up on Roberson yet. We haven't really touched on him much. Um, uh, throughout this pod, but I'm excited to see what he has. Cause I, last year, I think we were all expecting probably him to take a bit more of a step forward than he did. Uh, one thing I will say is last season absolutely sucked for young football players. COVID absolutely sucked for a guy like Roby who broke in the year before late in the year is a UDFA. He could have used that time in the offseason. He would have been eligible, I believe, right, for OTAs, the whole rookie minicamp they have where they're able to bring along some young practice squad guys that uh, have a certain amount of service in the NFL. Roberson would have been um, eligible for that last year, and I think he really, really would have benefited from that, and he missed out on that. I had a conversation with someone in his camp the other day uh, just two, three days ago, actually, uh, who said to me, look, uh, I, I, take it for what it's worth. Said, look, I've seen, I've seen the kid focused. 
you know, he's a, he's a focused player, but I think he's taken this off season more seriously than he ever has in the past. And he seems like he's in the best shape of his life and he's really focused. So take it with a grain of salt, if you will, it, it came from within his camp, but uh, really excited to watch him. Haven't given up on him. Think there's absolutely a chance where he turns into a viable uh, number three outside linebacker that can give you maybe four or five sacks a year. I don't know if six six is a little optimistic for I my taste. I think six is but, optimistic. Yeah, but three but, to five, I can see it. I mean, keep in mind at the end of 2019, in weeks 16 and 17 against the Saints and the Texans, Roberson had three sacks on like. 20 snaps right. <laughs> I mean right. it was something crazy like that and you know Drew Brees obviously Drew Brees is not a mobile quarterback but Drew Brees has been great his whole career getting the ball out quick doesn't take a lot of sacks yep. Roberson beat Ryan Ramsick on that play who's a great right tackle and then the next game was against the the Houston Texans although I don't think Deshaun Watson played now that I'm thinking about it no, I was I gonna say Deshaun Watson's not an easy quarterback to sack but although he does take a ton of sacks um, because he's mobile, but now that I'm really thinking it about it, the backup quarterback. It was the AJ backups. McCarron? It was AJ McCarron. So that one not as impressive, but still, you got to Drew Brees twice. <laughs> well, well, look, if Roberson's healthy, I imagine he plays a ton in the preseason. One of those yeah. guys that plays a ton in the preseason, and I'm excited to see it. I hope it happens. Yeah, same. All right. Well, didn't get to all the tweets this week, but thank you to everyone who submitted a take try to read more next week because next week we're doing running backs and a little spoiler about that actually we're about to record it because i'm going on vacation gonna be gone for a week so we're gonna record next week's episode now get the running back expectations next friday we're gonna we're dedicated to bringing a new episode to you guys every friday even when we're out but just want to throw that out there something could happen next week looking at monty rice and elijah molden two guys who have not signed their rookie contracts yet Training camp for the Titans starts next Wednesday, July 28th. I would expect that those guys will sign their deals before then. Heck, they may sign it before Friday when this podcast comes out. Right. So keep your eye on that out there for the news because we're not going to get into any news on next week's podcast. Even though training camp starts next Wednesday, the 28th, Mike Vrabel's doing a press conference next Tuesday which means you know you're going to have tons of, of news stories running with quotes that Mike Vrabel said, expectations for players. Keep your eye on all that stuff. Be sure you're heading to broadwaysportsmedia.com where we'll have plenty of coverage on everything that's going on. And that will be, that's just a little of what to expect from us next week. Anything else you want to say, Justin, before we wrap this episode up? No, I think that does it. Uh, we've got, look, we, there's seven guys here on this list at the outside linebacker position. We're in agreement on which five of them are most likely to make the roster. We talked through some stats and expectations, and now it's just time to get to the real thing. I'm excited to see how this group actually shakes out. I think final prediction, Titans will have at least one double-digit sack artist this year. And I would I say it'll be Bud Dupree. I agree. If I had to pick one, I would say Dupree. I think that's fair. And I would estimate like 10 and a half. 10 and a half seems fair to me. Let's do that. All right, that'll wrap up the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Music City Audible. Again, be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter. Justin is at JustinM underscore NFL. He's got a check mark now. You can't miss it. I am at Titans Film Room. Until next week, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.